Welcome to the Small Business Britain podcast. This week, I am joined by the fabulous Lisa Conway-Hughes, aka Miss Lolly, who is an award-winning financial advisor working with businesses large and small on their financial planning. Lisa is also the co-founder of the Ladies Finance Club that launches in November. In this chat, Lisa talks to us about how small business owners can manage their money issues, the importance of cash flow, and how, when times are tough, the best thing to do is get the advice and guidance you need. Thank you so much, Lisa, for this great chat. Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the Small Business Britain podcast. Today, we are talking all things money and how specifically to be money savvy as small business owners. Um, Really, really chuffed to be joined by the one and only Miss Lolly, who is recently award-winning Miss Lolly, aka Lisa Conway-Hughes, who has just been awarded not one but two awards in the Women in Financial Advice Awards as the Best Financial Advisor of the Year for London and the Marketing Influencer of the Year. Um, Lisa not only works um, as a financial advisor for so many people, businesses large and small, she is the co-founder of the Ladies Finance Club that runs a weekly podcast and is all around, you know, this amazing woman. So Lisa, thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to see you. Thanks for having me and for the intro. (laughs) Absolute pleasure. (laughs) You know, love it. Um, So can you tell us a little bit you know about about you about your sort of history how you got to you know this career in in money (laughs) yeah well I sometimes wonder myself but um (laughs) after so after uni I I I thought I was always going to go down the path of fashion and I was just obsessed with fashion and um I think I quickly realized it was an industry that I was going to excel in I just it wasn't it didn't suit me so I went traveling for a year and still didn't know what I wanted to do, but realised I didn't have any money. And so I needed to get a job. And in all honesty, I just took the first job going. And it happened to be working in a firm of financial advisors. Um, and it was a firm of financial advisors that went bust, mainly out of lots of bad practices. And so I sort of had this baptism of fire into mm. the world of financial advice where I was sort of taught this is not what you do as a financial advisor. And weirdly, it was really good grounding for me to then think, well, if I'm going to be a financial advisor myself, how how do I want that to look like? So I started mm. with another firm doing all my exams until my late 20s. And when I qualified, I then started to look around for a firm that was independent, that I wanted to sort of nestle in with and form a long-term relationship with. And that was Westminster Well. And so I've been there um, since 2012 and they've held my hands and wiped the tears of <laughs> running a business <laughs> and having two kids and all of that that comes with it. And it, yeah, I'm, I'm, it, it's been a very happy home since. Oh, it sounds wonderful. <laughs> and it's so interesting, isn't it? How many people we hear from that, you know, you, you start out on one path, don't you? And mm. then completely by accident or you have something that happens like you were saying the first job that came along you end up in this completely other industry that you excel at you know I mean I did that classic went traveling for a year knowing god knows what I'm gonna do (laughs) (laughs) but I mean it's it's good to do it isn't it it is and I just think I didn't I if if I'd been asked to think about it for a long for for a proper Mm. time like a career defining time then I would never, ever have chosen financial advice because I presumed it was boring. I presumed it wasn't me. I thought it would be me behind a computer. But 
as a good financial advisor is not behind a computer. It's not about the numbers. It's actually mm. just really understanding the clients well and what their goals are and their plans. And especially if they're small businesses, you really need to get under their skin and find out what makes them tick. Because we do know self-employed people or small business owners aren't necessarily great with their own money. Very true. And I think... Um, you know, as small business owners, you can start, can't you, like a kitchen table business yeah. almost, just you. And it grows at such a rate and grows so quickly that you you almost lose sight of it. And we're so busy doing so many other jobs and wearing so many hats that, you know, the the bank manager and the accountant, you know, hat can sort of fall off, fall yeah. off occasionally. <laughs> and, and I also think there's this carrot because there's mm. always a reason to push that financial responsibility that little bit down the line like I'll do that when I reach x figures um a year or I'll do that next year because I know I'll have just more disposable next year yeah totally is it it's this preconception isn't it we did a a fabulous um session about even if you're a solo business owner you're still a brand and people have this roadblock about that they don't think that they warrant seeing themselves in that light Mm. you know and it's it's a real preconception and I imagine that's like you say with finances as well Mm -hmm. so you obviously work with a lot of small business owners both you know in the Miss Lolly guys and with Westminster Wealth um what are the biggest issues that they face or their roadblocks that they have would you say I think the most important thing is when you're employed and you've got a job your employer provides some quite basic packages really that you've got the pension you've probably got a little bit of life cover and you may have some sick pay or some income protection so you've got a teeny bit of protection that's automatically provided for you but if you're when you're self-employed you forget that you're the employer and the employee so I don't think the employer takes very good care of the employee and the small business and so well Basically, that person's not taking care of themselves. I'm not suggesting they're not taking care of the other employees, but definitely Mm. not of themselves. So are you paying the right amount into the pension? Is the business affording you the pension planning that you would get if you were employed? Um, There's a long way to fall if you haven't got a safety net when you're self-employed. And I think that's another problem, too. So just putting in something as simple and quite cost effective, really, as an income protection policy can create that safety net. That means if you can't work because you're sick or you're injured, your monthly your monthly salary or monthly outgoings are covered um, until you get better. And you can claim as many times between now and the day you retire. I think they're just a lovely safety net to have. And then I think often when self-employed people are pricing their products, they think about really what can they get away with or what feels mm. the market is going to respond well to, where actually you should be reversing it. What do I need as a small business owner to be making on an annual basis so that I can live the life that I want, definitely not the life that I want by scrimping scrimping and saving, mm. but the life that I want with the trappings of the life that I want, plus um, doing some sensible financial planning. And sensible financial planning ideally should be 20, 30% of your income. Okay. So I think it's from that point you work out what your charges are. So you do it the other way around, really. So you start from the figure at the top and work backwards to what you need. And by living that life, you know, a lot of people have started their own business for flexibility, for, you know, to have a bit of a work-life balance, haven't they? So it's factoring in that time as well I imagine when you maybe don't want to be working and what you need to compensate for that and I think the early days of 
of setting up on your own can perhaps start bad habits because in the beginning you're hungry you're ambitious you want to make this work so you're working all the hours God sends Mm. maybe and maybe that doesn't change for too long so I think every year ideally maybe more than that you should be taking a step back from your business maybe for two or three days and just planning I suppose project you really what's going to make you happy what's going to make you continue to have the energy and the the get up and go really to keep the business being successful or if it's not successful at the moment because I think that's another thing people you've got to be honest with yourself if it's not working in business you've got to change it or pivot it or do something um yeah just not remain static definitely so it's and I think like you were saying a lot of business owners don't give themselves that time do they they're very good servicing their clients for example but they don't treat themselves with with that sort of time that it deserves to really have a good look at their own business and assess it yeah and to have the clarity because what you wanted when Mm. you set that business up and the lifestyle you assumed you wanted at that stage might not be the lifestyle that you want now Mm. so maybe some changes had to happen I I sat down with a lady about four or five months four or five weeks ago sorry and we went through her accounts her profitability and we looked at how she'd reacted during lockdown now on paper her turnover had gone through the roof Mm. but when we looked at the detail of it she was running around like headless chicken to make that turnover and the money in her pocket at the end of the day wasn't any more than she was earning before the turnover went mental and it was because she had to um, employ two extra people to create to benefit that workload so we started with sort of a, a blank piece of paper and I think it's sometimes easier to answer the question where do you want to be in five years than where do you want to be at the end of the year so we started with five years time where are you living how much are you working what do you need to um earn what what Mm. what's happened she's got two kids what's happening with the kids what's happening with the husband and we started to create this lovely life for her and it was one where she was she was really happy to keep working hard, but her husband wasn't. He wanted to go part-time. But he had skills that were transferable into the business. He had the exact skills that she'd been paying to hire out. Gosh, right. Um, and they just never thought of it. And so by taking this step back and planning where she wanted to be in five years, we were able to plan where the business needed to go. Um, Mm. But also she wanted to move out to the countryside. So we needed to start thinking about how this business could slowly move out away from London. Right. Um, And that wasn't something that was going to happen next year, the year after, but something she needed to to start having in her mind so that we could be thinking about how the business would move out gradually. Mm. Um, So I think that's a really, really useful thing to do. Massively. And just to have that foresight, because I think we're so reactory sometimes, mm. aren't we, in our businesses? We're just doing yeah. that we we sort of, and then a year's gone by, and another year's gone by that we haven't really thought about where we want to be. And we're working, like you say, every hour God sends just to. But I think it's something that. really hard to do on your own. Like I can't mm. do my own money plan as well as I can do for a, cli- for a client, right. because I think it's really hard um, to ask yourself probing questions because. You shy away from them. <laughs> it's so, fine. Everything's yeah. fine. <laughs> so I think it's if if you don't have a financial advisor to go through that with you right now, I think it's speaking to your accountant. Maybe it's speaking to a friend that you respect in the world yeah. of finance, in the world of business. They don't necessarily have to be in your realm of business, but I think it's someone 
You'll know who they are because you don't want to pick the yeah. easy person. The easy person's going to allow you to get away with everything. But the right <laughs> person's going to really challenge you with the right questions. Exactly. And I suppose it's being ready to hear the answers, isn't it, as well? Yeah, and, and not fall out with which... them. <laughs> yeah, like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what we hear a lot um, from small business owners is a lot about money and about their pricing structure and the the nervousness and the worry around perhaps putting their prices up you know you know if you were working for for an organization you know the natural inflation puts the prices up every year every six Mm. months but as small business owners there's a tendency not to address that so you're actually losing money every year by keeping your prices static so what advice do you have for people there you know what can they do you've got to take the emotion out of it because Mm. you you're not you're nervous to put those prices up because you're nervous perhaps to address that conversation with the client um whereas the price of a Mars bar going up, they're not going to tell their clients face to face. So I think it's it's more the, it's, it's, because you're a small business, you're delivering that news. Um, but like anything, it's all in the delivery. If it's a matter mm. of fact, our prices from next year will be this. Now tell me how I can help you. <laughs> like, yeah. you it's not an apology conversation, is it? No. It, yeah, and you say it as it is. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I... I have been on the receiving end of those conversations, especially like recently coming out of Corona, I think when people are, um, are, well, are changing the way that they work. Mm. Um, and I've actually come out quite admiring them from the way they've said it and the way that they've not fluffed around it and made lots of excuses. I think it doesn't have to be a negative thing. It's a, we're, we're growing, we're changing the yeah. service, we're improving conversation. Exactly. And it's almost to the point where it's quite odd if you don't increase your prices or you don't react to what's going yeah. on around you. And I think mm. it's a really good point that you don't... When when you're buying a service or a product, you, you, most of it isn't bought p- solely on price anyway. It's about mm. the benefits. And, well, I know that when... That just when it comes down to, let's say, building work... You get a red, mm. you get uh, the cheapest always gives you a bit of a red flag. The most expensive <laughs> is like, why are they so expensive? But why are they so cheap? So mm. I think we buy reassuringly in the middle in price, unless we're Definitely. going for luxury goods. Definitely. And I think as small business owners, there is a relationship there, isn't there? Mm. It is reputation. It's quality of work. It's, it's trust as well. It's trusting that person to deliver what you need them to deliver. And, you know, people would rather look after that and nurture that relationship, wouldn't they? It's not just a one-off, you know, no. payment. So if, if the prices do have to go up justifiably, nine times out of ten people are quite okay with that, aren't they, client-wise? Yeah, exactly. Because Definitely. if the price has to go up because it costs more, your competitors should or would be doing the same if they've got if they've got longevity in the sector. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as small business owners, you know, things are quite tough at the moment we've seen so many small businesses adapting which has been phenomenal they've introduced new streams to their business they've taken things online they've they've done all sorts um you know what have you seen as the as the big issues for small business owners at the moment in terms of keeping their businesses afloat keeping their businesses relevant you know is it is it sort of having cash flow within their business that's quite a struggle or yeah it's definitely cash flow in the bad times Cash flow helps you to have the space and the time to make the good decisions and not to rush into bad ones. Cash flow helps you 
to get through the bad times really and I think when you're financially planning someone's business or someone's personal finances you always want them to have three to six months of worth of cash in the bank Mm. and I think a business isn't any different from that so ideally you yeah. want three to six months worth of cash in the bank but if you're in a an industry where it's it's a long turnaround so the time between um doing work and getting paid and completing on a piece of work um let's say that could be up to a year then you perhaps need to realistically think I need a year's worth of cash in the bank um to, to warrant that time scale yeah, yeah because I've seen all sorts of clients how they respond to this most of them have been heads down trying to work out what it means to them but the Mm. ones who um have got the have got decent cash levels personally and in the business are the ones who aren't making those decisions really really stressed out of their mind yeah because they've got that buffer almost that they're a bit safe and secure so your advice would be as much as possible have three to six months cash in the bank buffer at all times yeah for you both your business and personally if possible okay you are listening to the small business britain podcast with me karen campbell you know you do a very good explanation almost diagram which is on your instagram page which is brilliant about the pots that you recommend do you mind going through that briefly i think the first bit to get your head around is the the priority checklist so first of all so if you're Mm self-employed the checklist is get some income protection if you've got a child get some life cover yep the usually the life cover can be paid for by the business um usually the income protection is something you pay for yourself then you want to address any debts so have you got any really really costly debts personally or in the business what needs Mm. to happen with those then you work on your three to six months worth of cash buffer as well. Um, then you do your pension planning. 15% of the UK population are um, the self-employed, but 30% of the self-employed have a pension, which means 70% wow. of the self-employed don't have a pension. So you right. need to do your pension planning. You need to do the pension planning for two reasons. One is that you are going to get old and you are going to need some money. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're not um, Benjamin Button. Okay. No. <laughs> and then and the second one is that it's it's very tax efficient. It's great for the business for you to have mm. a pension pot. So then you do your pension planning. Um, and then if there's any left over, that's when you start to do to invest. And you you invest money out of your net income. And mm-hmm. that money goes then in usually the first port of call once you've done all that is that money then goes into a stocks and shares ISA. And you're allowed £20,000 a year um, per person into Stocks and Shares ISA at the moment as well. Fantastic. And for pensions then, um, would you advise people to pay for their pension out of the business or personally? Definitely, out of the business. Right, okay. So as much as you can, do that. So for those 70% of small business owners that don't have a pension, they need to think about it and get started with that quite soon. Yeah, and... The, the first step is always the hardest, I think. So just yeah. start, like, whatever you think, whatever you know is affordable, do it. And then yeah. put it in your diary so that every three months, every six months, you're asking yourself a question, can I increase it by 5%, 10%, can I double it? Because usually people underestimate what they should put into a pension. Right. And then the way that I set it up with all my clients is we do a monthly that we know we can afford. Um, and mm. I do push what that, 
what that comfort feels like because it should be a little bit uncomfortable the amount you're paying into a pension right. if you want a decent amount and especially if you've left it quite late um i.e you're not 21 or 25 mm. um even in your 30s from a pension point of view those those pension contributions will be the most valuable the ones that you do at the beginning will be the most valuable so you just need right. to start as soon as, as much possible. as you can afford basically yeah so you do a monthly yeah. you know you can afford and then let's say the end of your tax year is march for your company you then put it in your diary in february to have a chat with the accountant so usually i would um book in the call me the accountant the client and we say how much is reasonable without jeopardizing mm. the fa- the financial health of the business to do yeah. a pension top up and you're aiming your aim and this is an aim not um don't you feel bad if you're not doing it but the aim is to do 40,000 pounds a year into the pension from the business okay so that would be the goal okay that's that's the that's the most you can do Mm. And there's not many people that would complain about having a big pension pot when they get there. So that's the goal. And if it starts off that it's a couple of hundred pounds a month, then perfect. You're doing something. Yes. And I think some, one, one of my clients was really getting, struggling to get her head around it because she's young. She was really struggling to get her head around what that pension is for. And is that pension not impacting the ability for her to grow her business and there were two points that I made and also um guy one of the columnists Jason in the FT this weekend made it perfectly as well that Mm. just because you're good at business doesn't mean that you're good at money and usually the skills that you need to be good at business i.e risk taking looking for the gaps in the market don't make you good at financially planning so you can't rely on your business 100% 100% for your future success financially. So you've I got see. to squirrel away this money. The benefit is that it's tax efficient, but you've got to squirrel it away. And the way I sort of got it in her head in a way that she understood is it's like her pension is like she's got a future employee. Her pet, okay. that, that contribution was is essentially what she was paying for um, an extra member of staff. And that extra member of staff is her when she's 55 onwards. To have a salary and yeah. to be able to live a nice life. Yeah, completely. I suppose when you are young, you just feel it's so far off, don't you? And it's yeah. not relevant, I suppose. But then the earlier you start, the more, more reward you're going to get, aren't exactly. you? Completely. There's a really completely. good rule of thumb, which is just that. It's a rule of thumb based on some stats from the 90s. So it's very outdated. But I do think it's really easy to understand. Perhaps not as accurate, but it's, mm. it's good to have in your head. Whatever your age is, so... I'm nearly 40. Divide by two, that would be 20. I should be contributing 20% of what I'm earning into my pension every year. Which is, that's completely easy to understand, isn't it? Okay. It's a good benchmark. And arguably the older you become, the more you're earning. Yeah. The more you can contribute in theory. And the more, and the older you are, so the higher the percentage as well. Definitely. And for employers, so if you're a small business with, with staff, you need to really be on top of it with them as well. Exactly. I mean, you. it's illegal to to yeah. discourage people from the pension, but I think just making pensions accessible, usually the pension company mm. will um, give you some tools to make pensions yeah. interesting for your um, staff. And I mean, that's, as, as Miss Lolly, that's something that I do probably two or three times a week is co- corporate talks where we talk about what does the pension company actually do and how is it invested 
so yeah. that people once you understand it you realize it's not actually that complicated and then so they but do it's it. that great unknown isn't yeah. it i think people go pension it's like this preconception that it's dull yeah whereas actually it can be so rewarding for you if, if done right if, as you say so you know you've got to go soon i know but tell us a little bit about you and and you know how we can get more involved with you and you know the ladies finance club things like that and how people can you know find out more thank you so on misslolly.com i talk um almost daily about the, the financial news and put it into hopefully a language that most people can understand and, and can relate to. So that's what I do on misslolly.com. And then the Ladies Finance Club um, started off as our podcast, which is She's on the Money. And mm. we've now launched the Ladies Finance Club, which is going to be um, launched from November, a membership site where people can sign up and Brilliant. there'll be... Um, personal finance information but also business finance as well fabulous so people can sign up already for the waiting you can list, go on the they? waiting list yeah we've got a few hundred already which i was really surprised well done about. well yeah. she's award-winning love yeah. of course <laughs> that's amazing and i think you know you've hit the nail on the head where it it, it just needs almost somebody like yourself to translate it for us and for people because there is so much information out there isn't there and there's so much advice it can be overwhelming Almost too arguably. much yeah yeah and I think you know when you maybe go on the very government websites you know it is it can be quite confusing with all the jargon and all the the, the um, terminology so to have you translate it in layman terms I think is is huge and make people a little bit more comfortable yeah. with their finances and you know even if you know you are really struggling as well with with cash flow you know there are opportunities that you can be thinking about isn't there you know the, what you can be planning for in the future yeah I think being good I think my my last bit would be about that if you're struggling financially if you're struggling financially most people just want to become an ostrich and run a mile mm. but actually the moment you realize that you're struggling is the moment you go and find someone who can help you because it won't be as bad as you think and the planning that yeah. you do in those early days of realizing that it's not all going to plan well we'll pay dividends yeah so it's just being open about it and seeking the help yeah you know because I'm sure as small business owners, it's a roller coaster, isn't yeah. it? You're doing well one minute, you're not doing well the other minute. And that's, you know, you're not on your own either, are you? So no. there's help out there and the support there. So, you know, and you give so much away for free, very generously in terms of information. So it's just a great place to start. So a huge thank you. Thank for you joining us today i really really appreciate it and please do you know check out miss lolly and lisa on socials and give her a follow because there's loads of information there um so yeah thank you so much my love and congratulations on the award the games <laughs> bye what an interesting chat with lisa about finances money and how to manage it as small business owners a huge thank you for your time Please do give Lisa a follow at misslolly.com and do sign up to the waiting list for the Ladies Finance Club at ladiesfinanceclub.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and please do give this a like and a share and do let us know any topics or people you would like to hear from. We'll see you next time. The Small Business Britain podcast is hosted by Karen Campbell from karencampbellmarketing.com. The producer, editor and composer is Ben Lloyd-Evans from bleproduction.com. You can always find out more at smallbusinessbritain.uk.